You're listening to the Super Talk podcast, produced by the Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees, shaping profit to member super. Hello, and welcome to Super Talk. My name is Gary West, and I'm the Senior Manager, Media and Communications with AIST. Today, we'll be looking at the relationship between good health and good outcomes for super fund members in retirement. Joining me is Matt Lippiot, the Head of Customer Strategy and Propositions at MetLife Australia, and Dr. Laurel Drew from Teladoc Health. Matt and Laurel, thank you very much for joining me here today. So Matt, health is very topical right now, isn't it? Thanks, Gary. It's, it's really good to be here and hello to all your listeners as well. Um, you're right. Health is a huge, uh, you know, sort of area of demand and interest out there. By some estimates, it's a $4.2 trillion industry globally. It's grown at about 6.4% compound last uh, five years or so. So it's on the increase. And there are some estimates that it's likely to grow to $7 trillion over the next sort of four or five years. Um, so clearly what this indicates is that there's huge demand out there, you know, among people, you know, for help around their health, not just how do I live a, a longer life, but how do I ensure that the quality of my health uh, is as good as it can possibly be over the course of my life. And I think, you know, the pandemic has certainly brought that into tight focus as some people have really, you know, maybe turned their mind to their health in a way that they haven't done previously. So it's not surprising, you know, that that demand exists and it's a, and it's a huge uh, growth area globally, but especially here in Australia. What role does an insurer play in engaging superannuation fund members through health? So, look, I think, you know, we have an interesting vantage point, Gary. Like, so as an insurer, we work very closely with uh, a number of, you know, funds here in, in the Australian market um, to really understand, you know, what is important to members and, and how, how can we um, engage members around their health. And at first blush, you know, you, you might think, well, the superannuation system exists to, you know, provide retirement savings for people. But if you take a wider lens and you zoom out a bit, you know, the origins of, you know, superannuation were really all about how do we set people up at, at the population level to have a dignified uh, retirement, to, to when they finish their working life, have the financial resources to be able to live with dignity and do the things that are important to them. And, and I think we do that really well here in Australia. I think at the industry level, we do that really well in terms of, you know, securing financial outcomes for members. But if you think about it through another lens, you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have, a, 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 you know, the quality of health, you know, later in your life, then you're not going to be able to, you know, enjoy a dignified retirement, which goes to the heart of what we're here to do. And, and a great example, just a personal example, Gary, you know, in my family, we recently celebrated a, a significant milestone. My, um, my grandfather turned 100 uh, earlier in the year, back in January, which is just incredible. <laughs> I mean, he was born in the Great Depression, um, fought in the Second World War, you know, worked his whole life. Um, so he's, he's had a really long life. But what's remarkable, uh, Gary, is that up until, you know, just before Christmas, he was living independently, which is, which is remarkable. And he's still got his mental faculties, still sharp as a tack, lost a bit of uh, uh, speed physically. Um, so, so he needs that extra assistance, you know, from living in a nursing home. But, you know, it's interesting. I, I caught up with him just recently and we were just reminiscing and, and I asked him to reflect, you know, what, what's he grateful for? 
um, you know, sitting at, at his at his point in his life. And yeah, you know, he was he was just reflecting, you know, he's got enough money to live very comfortably. He he saved, he he didn't have the benefit of compulsory super, by the way, but he saved. So he's he's got enough money to look after himself and and to provide for his care. But he was just so grateful that he had his health and uh, and he was able to live independently for so long. And uh, and I think that's really incredible, isn't it? That that at the end of your life, the things you value probably aren't necessarily your money, but you value your relationships and your health, and in perhaps in a way that you don't necessarily value value them the same way when you when you're younger. And so so that was really interesting. So so there's this nexus here between wealth and health that actually, um, as a collective industry, you know, super funds, insurers partnering together. You know, we we have a, an onus to sort of look more broadly than just the financial outcomes for members to think about how we're setting them up to live a, a really great retirement and a dignified retirement. So health is is part of that conversation and starting that that early. I think the second th- thought I would have is that you know, superannuation is a really um, and I'm not saying anything you don't know, Gary. It's you know I find it hugely interesting. I find insurance hugely interesting, but I'm I'm kind of not in the majority. I think out there, particularly young among younger members, um, people aren't really tuned into their superannuation. So therefore, I know a lot of the funds we work with, they're always looking for ways to engage younger members. And I think, you know, those stats I quoted earlier about people's health, health is is front of mind. It's it's something that's vitally relevant to a large section of the population, particularly younger members. And so there's opportunities here for super funds uh, to engage their younger members in a conversation around their health and actually demonstrate value um, before retirement, uh, which is which is quite interesting to me. So, um, you know, that, that's the second one. And I think it's not just a, a conversation about younger members, of course, it's a conversation for older members as well. You know, people who are perhaps approaching retirement, thinking about these significant changes in their working life, which go to their identity, uh, which go to, uh, you know, their future, what, they, what they're looking forward to, their hopes, ambitions. You know, these are very complex transitions that have a health component or a health dimension and funds that can tap into that I think that there's a really interesting opportunity and I and I and I really think at the the final thought on this point you know what is the opportunity for for funds it's it's around how can we um deliver better outcomes for members um at you know globally like at the macro level through improved health outcomes so we know that for example mental health um it represents about one in five of our claims for income protection. And you think about what um, a prolonged period out of the workforce, um, you know, might do to someone's retirement outcomes if they struggle with their mental health. So if we can get in front of that curve and we can actually help be more proactive about supporting people to um, engage their mental health, their physical health um, early, well, then that's going to lead to not only better retirement outcomes, but it's also going to contribute to better claims experience and and hopefully lower insurance premiums over time. So there's lots of ways that health is actually quite relevant uh, to the superannuation industry. Uh, and, and there's heaps of opportunity there that I think we've only just begin begun rather to start to tap into and, and begin to explore. So, so yeah, heaps of opportunity uh, and heaps of crossover. It's great to see insurers like MetLife innovating and finding new ways to support super funds that want to engage with their members around health. Uh, mental health was mentioned earlier as being a big source of claims. Today, we also have with us Dr. Laurel Drew, who is a psychiatrist with MetLife's virtual care service, Teladoc Health. Laurel, thanks for joining us today. 
From your experience, what challenges do people in the community generally face in accessing personalised guidance around their mental health support that you provide through the MetLife Virtual Care Service? And what difference can getting the right advice early make to them? Thanks for having me today as well. I'm really happy to be here. It's a subject I, I really like to talk about because it's very important. And, and I would say um, what's relevant to say about that is um, that in the last decade in particular, I think one of the most important issues in mental health service provision is access to services and early intervention. Uh, it's very topical. Um, there's been a lot of discussion about funding. It's extremely important, as well as a focus on prevention. Um, there have always been barriers to people accessing mental health input um, and, and care that's appropriate for them. And, you know, some of the barriers include stigma that is, you know, that's much improved compared to the past with campaigns, say, from Beyond Blue and others, but um, it still exists. And there's also a lack of awareness of, of symptoms and signs and where to obtain help. Um, there are barriers, including geographical issues, you know, where you live and your, your income can have an impact. Um, and during the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, there were there was an enormous increase in stress and distress, as we all know, uh, and mental health issues as a result and a greater need for services. So there's still an imbalance in that way in accessing care. Um, I guess the pandemic also allowed for innovation, though, and, and much more common use of video as a way of seeing people with mental health issues. So that was one of the positive things that came out of the pandemic, you know, more familiarity with that and use of that, which has helped a great deal. And it's an innovation that we use uh, in our work. Um, and it's really important to promote access because there are significant issues for people if they do delay seeking and obtaining help with their mental health issues. Uh, potentially can lead to poorer outcomes. Um, the sooner the better in terms of, of seeking and getting help. Um, it's not always the case, but the longer someone is unwell and dealing with mental health issues, the more likely it is to impact on their functioning for a longer period of time. And that might mean an impact on ability to work, um, constrained relationships, even though people might be very supportive at home and people can lose hope about getting better. So there are vital reasons why it's important to seek help as soon as possible and, and to know where to get help and access it easily. Um, and it can be very frightening and traumatic to deal with mental health issues on your own without that support as well. Um, people really need support around this as soon as possible. Um, I think that the earlier treatment begins, the more likely people are to begin recovering, enjoying things again and coping at work and at home. So, so it's vital. Um, telehealth has helped lead to an increase in access and convenience for people. Um, you can see a specialist with you know, less time off work, reduced need for things like babysitting or transport, um, and you know, you're not exposed to illness or, or risks in a waiting room, for example. And in my experience, I've, I've used telehealth for a very long time. People usually have noticed a little difference in their experience of seeing a doctor or specialist using that method. So it's really helpful in that in many ways. Uh, I've seen you know, many people through this program, uh, both older adults and younger adults, you know, family members in the last you know, four years or so, um, commonly with anxiety or depression. Um, the waiting times are quite short, which is gratifying, often only a few weeks at the very most. 
And it's a pretty seamless process that we offer, which um, I'm really pleased about because you don't need that stress when you're not well trying to get help of, of dealing with bureaucracy. Um, and it, it really never ceases to amaze me how brave people are to, to access and engage in this process of getting help. Um, we try and minimise any stress and anxiety wherever we can. What I wanted to also discuss today was maybe an example of someone I have seen using this process, because I think hearing examples of, of um, other people's experiences can help minimise the stress and maybe promote people to get help as well. Um, one person I did want to talk about, and obviously it's de-identified, um, this story, is that of someone I've seen in the last few years, a, a man in his late 30s, married with a primary school age child, um, working full time in a, a sort of senior management role in a company and um, had never really had any history of mental health issues or help for that in the past. He, he did say when he was transitioning from school to uni, he did, looking back, think he probably was a bit depressed. That's really common, of course, with that transition. Um, and there was no family history of mental health issues. So it was all quite new to him and he wasn't quite sure what was going on with these changes that he talked about. Um, and he said that he'd been okay in himself sort of until about a year before maybe, um, the gradual buildup of changes that he noticed. And during the pandemic, which of course made it much more challenging for people. But he said even with the pandemic, there was also um, a lot of workplace stress at that time. He, he loved working for the company and he enjoyed it, but there was a merger that occurred that sort of changed the dynamics and made things more challenging and a bit less stable, um, coinciding with the pandemic, which was really unstable. And there was a lot of working from home, obviously, longer hours because of that sort of learning to manage that work-life balance that was really hard. You know, constant meetings, emails, you know, I'm sure everyone's aware of this and lived through it to some degree. And he was really isolated at home, obviously, because of the pandemic as well sort of lost his routine and exercise patterns and things like that. And he started getting really anxious about pretty minor things that usually wouldn't bother him and really started to ruminate about work and what was happening there. Um, and gradually noticed he was getting more tearful, irritable at home um, over minor things and not sleeping well at all. Um, and then really tired, not a lot of energy and motivation. It all sort of steamrolled from there. Um, and he was overwhelmed at work and had difficulty concentrating. And he was sort of pushing through, as he put it, and trying his best to get through, um, thinking he should just be coping better somehow. But a few weeks before he referred himself to us, he had a really stressful time at work with a client who was challenging in different ways. And he just felt himself getting anxious and panicking when he sat down at his desk and just couldn't do it. So he rang and made an appointment and went through the process that we offer. Um, and we were able to talk about what was going on and, and think about that together. Um, and he also, at about the same time, went to his GP and arranged some sick leave, which his manager was more than happy to help with. Um, and we spoke about, you know, everything that had been going on and how hard it was, how understandable it was that this was happening, um, that, you know, he'd already started to focus on his routine again with the leave he had and was exercising and trying to have breaks. And he was finding that really helpful and really found it helpful to talk about the symptoms and make sense of them and realise that they were, you know, from my point of view, 
you know, quite significant depressive symptoms as a result of all the stress. Um, that could be helped and treated um, in a range of ways. You know, he talked about um, certainly being keen to see a psychologist, which we helped arrange for counselling, which he went ahead with. And we talked about medication, you know, for depression as well, which, um, which he was interested in trying and we, we went through that in some detail. Not necessarily what everybody needs, but some people do when it's just getting to a point where it's really impeding their functioning. And um, his GP and psychologist in the end were able to sort of liaise with work on his behalf and, and talk through some options about returning to work as soon as possible, which he did. Um, when we spoke to him just after our meeting, he said that this feedback he described, he found the service sort of really rapidly accessible, easy to use. Um, he was very grateful and valued the suggestions and chance to talk. And we do a three-month follow-up where we check in with people and um, along the way as well. And he said he'd already, he felt very well in himself. He'd been back to work. He was coping well, seeing the psychologist regularly. Um, and it just appeared to be um, a service that was useful because it was timely. You know, he was able to access it quite quickly. There are quite long waiting times for mental health services at the moment, unfortunately, that will hope we'll hopefully settle down again. Um, but to be able to see someone at the time you feel you need it is really helpful. Um, so that was a, a really gratifying experience seeing him and they're very similar sort of stories, many other people that we've seen along the way. Um, so thanks for letting me talk about that. Um, yeah, I really find the work um, personally very gratifying and, and enjoy it. So thanks. Yeah, Gary, I think, I mean, that, that story that Laurel shared, I think it's, it's just indicative of, you know, people know they need help, but it's just, where do you go to find trusted help and support, you know, and I think this is where, you know, something like, you know, virtual care and the partnership we have with our funds can really play a very critically important role in helping people on their journey. It's not to actually solve the problem, but it's actually just giving them a, a trusted source of support and insight that they can access readily um, uh, you know, it's, it's incredibly powerful. The impact it can have on people's life is just very profound. Uh, thanks for sharing that story, Laurel. I'd not heard that one before. It was, it was terrific. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Great advice. That's all for this episode of Super Talk. Thanks to Matt Lippiet of MetLife and Dr. Laurel Drew of, from Teladoc Health. For more episodes of Super Talk and for more information on the work of the Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees, visit our website at aist.asn.au and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast.